Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to have a good time today, loosen up a little bit. I promise it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good service. Uh, if you get bored today, you're boring. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a good time. You're going to have a good time. Say amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody today to Oceans. Every week uh, we, we open up the Bible. Again, we had a lot of babies today, so we're a little bit, uh, a little bit further back in our schedule. But I promise I'll preach short if you give me some amens. Get you home in time to watch some football, football games. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, no promises. If you have your Bible this morning, why don't you grab it with me. We'll go to John chapter 8 to refresh our memory. Two weeks ago, uh, we started a new series called Free. Say it with me, Free. Now, if you came, we do baby dedications uh, every October is one of the months. It's, uh, it always lands in October. And so maybe you came and watched one of your other grandkids or your children get uh, dedicated uh, last October. And uh, I don't know why. I am sorry. I apologize if you're new today. But every October, I always teach on getting free. And uh, it's during Halloween, so I usually mention demons and darkness. And so I, I just apologize in advance. If you invited a new family member today... I'm going to go into the deep end a little bit. Is that okay? I'll do my best to kind of keep things, you know. The deep end's only scary if you don't know how to swim. And my heart is, man, you don't have to be scared. Listen, if God isn't scared of something, you're not supposed to be scared of it. So if God, Jesus wasn't scared of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus wasn't scared of the gifts of God, you shouldn't be scared of the gifts of God. Are you with me today? If Jesus wasn't scared of demons, you shouldn't. Are you hearing me today? And many times what we do is we get scared of things that God wasn't scared of. And I want to warn you, whenever a pastor or leader spiritually tries to get you to be skeptical, jaded, or worried about something that Jesus wasn't, we don't ever want to go down that road. If Jesus is into it, we're going to be into it. Can I get an amen? You ever have, you ever have a, who has a foodie friend in here, and you go into a restaurant, and you just go, look, I know enough about this guy that whatever he's ordering, I'm going to get it. Who's ever done this? I'll have what, come on, he's having. When it comes to the kingdom of God, I want what Jesus is ordering. Anybody else in Orange County? Now, I might kick a couple sacred cows today, some religious cows today. I'm going to do my best to intellectually, but also simultaneously, theologically, lay foundation that um, there is a reality that we don't just fight against normal, logical, uh, psychological, mental, neurological uh, hormonal issues. We, we actually, the Bible says we don't fight it against just uh, flesh and blood, but we actually fight against principalities and powers. It says to put on the whole armor of God. Let me ask you a question. Why would he say to put on armor unless there was a battle? Many Christians, and I want to just say C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to go into this, so just be aware, I'm going to talk, talk about freedom today. And I think the number one reason why people don't experience freedom, number one reason, you guys ready for it, is they don't believe they can be in bondage. And if you believe that you, you're not in bondage, and our society's done a really good job, we have eliminated the word bondage pretty much from our vocabularies. I haven't really met anybody under 60 years old that uses the word bondage. You know, I just have some bondage in my life. Usually, our generation goes, you know, I have some weaknesses. I just have a little weak, little struggle. It's a little weakness. How long has that weakness been going on? 30 years. How often is it going on? Every day. You don't have a weakness. You have a bondage. And it gets quiet in the Presbyterian church when you talk like this. 
But I promise today I'm not talking to your faces, I'm talking to your hearts. Is that okay? Because I see the data, I, I know what's happening in the church, that people are depressed, anxious, fearful, addicted, lustful. Are you hearing me today? And there is too many of God's kids that are being bullied by the darkness of their old life. And God has brought them out of Egypt, but Egypt is still living inside of them. Are you with me today? And I want you to know this, and I want you to write this down. I woke up this morning, and the first thing that God told me is he said, Mark, tell my people that the purpose of freedom is intimacy with God. We get hyper spooky, weird, spiritual, self-righteous when we start bragging, I am so free, I am so clean, you're a dirty person from the world, you're a pagan, I'm a righteous king. And listen, it's not about self-righteousness. All freedom in the kingdom of God is like Exodus chapter 3 that bring them out of Egypt, Moses, that they might worship me on this mountain. The purpose of liberty and freedom is to actually know God and worship him. That's a good preacher this morning. That's my introduction. You guys ready? Let's read this real fast. I got I to gotta get rolling. I got a long, long way to go, short time to get there. We're going to do what they say can't be done. Are you guys ready? Luke, John chapter, John chapter 8, let's read our flagship verse this morning real quick. Jesus said to the Jews that believed, believed him. Say what he believed. Not talking to skeptics, atheists, or anybody else. He's talking to believers. He said, if you abide in my word, abide in my you will be my disciples, disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. We all know that verse. They were arrogant disciples. They said, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. I explained how this is one of the funniest verses in the Bible, because they've been in bondage to everybody. You ever read the Old Testament? They were in bondage to everybody. They were in bondage to the Chaldeans. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. They were in bondage... Uh, there was times the Philistines were dominating them. And at the moment that they said, we've never been in bondage to anyone, they were in bondage to the Romans. Here's the deceptive nature about bondage is usually you are in denial. And I'm not talking about a, a, a river in Egypt. Denial. It's a tough crowd this morning. I need you to stay with me this morning. Are you guys ready? Listen to me. Very important here. He says this. You'll be my disciples indeed. They said, how will we be made free? We've never been in bondage to anyone. And he says, surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. He's not talking about a one and done, screw up, low moment. He's talking about commit means being committed to darkness. The word commit here actually means to premeditate. It means to foreplan that I'm going to do something that's dark. Listen to me. Church, healthy churches is where our sins go to die. If you were planning on compromising, losing your virginity this week, making a bad decision, cheating, lying, stealing, this should be the environment that God says, no, 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 no. Let's zip up your convictions. Can I get an amen? Most pastors don't talk like this, but I'm just telling you, God wants to set people free. And too many people live in bondage, and God doesn't want us to live in bondage. Do you believe that today? So do me a favor today, grab your Bible, and uh, let's go real quick to uh, Luke chapter 13. One more passage I'll read, and then we'll jump right in this morning. I want to talk to you about freedom a little bit today, about houses that are free, houses that are free. Uh, Luke, Luke 13 says this, now Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, verse, verse 10, chapter 13 of Luke, and uh, behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of infirmity, an evil spirit, if you're reading the NLT or the NIV, for 18 years she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. She was crooked, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself, and he said to her, woman, you are. But let me just stop there. Guys, 
unless you're Jesus, don't ever call him woman. <laughs> Doesn't go well for any of us. Only Jesus can do that. He says, woman, you are loosed, you are free. Say it with me, free from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Here's what I want you to look at here. And immediately she glorified God. I believe the response of God straightening us and our soul and our spirit is we begin to worship. Remember this phrase, all freedom is connected to intimacy with God. Why does God want you to be free? Because he wants to be close to you. You know what keeps you away from God? The darkness in your life. So we, we, we read this passage, and so this, this uh, Pharisee starts going, you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath, you know, and, and that's what Pharisees do. They always cite Scripture with a, with a twisted interpretation of the text. And whenever you take a text out of its context, all you're left with is a con. Are you following me? So it's this con interpretation of the Scripture, and Jesus goes, you're a Pharisee, you're a hypocrite, and Jesus, he was ruthless with religious people. He goes, I, I don't find any scriptures in the Bible about Jesus hating sinners. I have a lot of scriptures in the Bible about him judging religious people. And he goes, look, he said, this is what he said to her. So, listen, this is a daughter, this is what he says. This woman, being a daughter of Abraham, watch what he goes on to say. Whom Satan has bound. Two, two big ideas here. Number one, she's a daughter of Abraham. Galatians 3 says that only those that believe are sons and daughters of Abraham. So this woman is in bondage, but she's a believer. I thought believers can't be in bondage. No, no. He just told the Jews that believed in John 8 that you are in bondage. But you'll know the truth if you abide my word, and my truth will set you free. But he says to her, this is the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years. And I've loosed her from this bond on the Sabbath. People ask me all the time, Ken, are demons real? Let me just give you a quick little Real quick, uh, two-minute elevator pitch on this topic. Are demons real? Yes. Are we supposed to be scared of them? Thank you. And then the Bible says that two-thirds fell when, or one-third fell with Lucifer at the fall. That means that there's two angels for every fallen demon. It's very important. I'm not a mathematician. That's good odds. Come on. The good news is, though, God doesn't need any of them. He could, he could wipe them all out by himself. That's how powerful God is. We don't glorify darkness. We don't glorify demons. But I want to be very honest. Some Christians live in bondage because they don't believe they can be in bondage. Are you with me today? Let's pray. We'll get into this. Lord, I pray you'd bless this word. Meet us. Speak to us. We pray blessing over the Lakers and uh, all the other California sports teams. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Short prayer. Who's inviting me to Thanksgiving? Come on, somebody. I realize that the older generation and the younger generation, there's similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Right? Like the older generation works hard. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a bad joke. Bad joke. I'm young. Come on. I'm just joking. Um, old people are like, yeah, that's true. Uh, millennials. Uh, no, I grew up going to my grandparents' house. Uh, they're all in heaven now. But my grandparents' generation was different than, than the younger generation. And even my, my parents' generation. I'm, I'm 37. I look 36. I'm 37. And... Uh, my, my parents, I think they're in their, like, their like, early 60s, and then um, their parents would be like in their 90s. My, my, actually, my wife's grandma's 101. So we bought her Dalmatian for her birthday. And, oh, that, dad joke, sorry, dad joke. Dad joke, that just came to me. Couldn't resist. Um, it was crazy. Uh, 
we, uh, the older generation was different. Uh, I think one of the biggest differences between my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation is how they viewed this word, come on, call it with me, say it with me, company. My grandparents' generation, I remember going to their house in Pasadena in Eagle Rock where they were from, and I would be there on Saturdays and Fridays, we go there for the weekends, and like the neighbors would just stop by and knock on the door. And they had porches. They gathered in the front of their homes. Our generation's like, let's build patios. Let's get out of the front. Let's hide in the back by ourselves. Let's close our garage before the neighbor talks to us. It's wild. There's a huge shift from our grandparents' generation to our parents' generation to my generation. I noticed that the older generation, they called them company, right? My parents' generation was different. When I was at my grandparents' house and the doorbell rang, everyone was excited. Who's here? We have company. Grandma had like Sarah Lee coffee cake that was designated for coffee and, or uh, for, for company. She had these cookies that was reserved for company. She would warn us when she bought it, hey, no one's touching this. This is for company. Right? Some of you old enough to know what I'm talking about. And they would come over, ring the doorbell. All the kids would slide to the door in their socks. Hey! Billy, Bruce, neighbors, welcome, friends. And they were excited about it. And somehow, over the generations, we got more selective with who we let come in. My parents' generation was like, doorbell rang, and everyone's like, lights, lights, turn the lights off. Turn the lights off. Shh. You invite someone over? You invite someone over? No, no one invited anybody? Was, who's, who's at our house? Is it Amazon? Do we got a sign for a package? Totally different day and age. Our generation now is like so perfectionist oriented that we're selective with who we let come into our houses. Older generation, like, yeah, come on in, you can borrow my car, have my house, sleep in the guest bedroom. Our generation is like, call me in my driveway. Let me know you're coming. Right? I was thinking about this this week that the older generation was so willingly, uh, so willing to let people in. And the younger generation is almost in many ways like, hey, I'm going to be a little bit more selective with who comes inside, when they come inside. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. What I'm saying is this, I had this picture when I was praying about freedom. Is many people, I believe, it's almost the opposite when it comes to our faith, that we've gotten so liberal with what we let into our spirit. We let anything and everything in. When I was growing up, we used to guard what was on TV. We used to have moral people that were in Hollywood to some degree that didn't let nasty stuff go on television, primetime TV. We had shows like if there was like if there was like a like 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 someone said shut up on daytime television, it's like whoa, what's up with the foul language? It was a big deal on Family Matters when Steve Urkel kissed Laura. Come on, it's like whoa, this is getting a little scandalous. That was a big deal. Like man, there was like morality in our generation. And now we have Netflix, we have, we have designated channels at Netflix that are basically like soft poor pornography. We, we got like this world that's jaded, that primetime TV drops F-bombs and cuss words. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not about being self-righteous. I'm saying we're living in an era that we let everything in. Anything, everything, just come on in. I just listen, I listen to the music for the beat. It's verbal pornography. It talks about hurting people, abusing women, shooting, uh, shooting authority. But look, I like the beat. And we justify things. You ever notice that we live in a compromising generation? 
Like, no, I just, it's got a really good storyline. Look, I know there's like four porn scenes, and like, they're taking the name of God in vain, and they're like murdering innocent people, and there's witchcraft, and seances, and warlocks, and wizards, but listen, it's not that bad. Come on, Game of Thrones, it's just, or Thrones, it's just, um. Well, I just fast forward stuff. Isn't it crazy how much we let in? If I was to tell you when you were a kid what we would see every day on TV or phones that would just be immediate, instant access all the time, we would go, there's no way that the society can drift morally that fast in that window of time. But here we are. Here we are. More people addicted to pornography than any other window in history. Easier to compromise in your morality, in your eyes, in your gates. We got DMs, we got affairs that are more accessible, we got compromise more readily available. We have more people in bondage, depressed, anxious, and fearful, suicidal than any other window in history. And my, my, my thought to you is I think what's broken is, is what we're letting in the doors of our life. I believe freedom does exist. Can I get an amen? Can I get a real amen? Freedom does exist. But I'm telling you today, look, company, be, be friendly with your neighbors. But when it comes to guarding the gates of your soul, I think we got to get back to guarding who comes into the house. I, I really do believe there's elements of freedom that why most people stay in bondage. Listen, Jesus made it very clear over and over again. There's a story in Mark chapter 7 about a Syro-Phoenician woman. She's from Phoenicia. Phoenicia is the, uh, Phoenicia is the origins. It is the, it is the, theologians say, the seat of all wicked paganists in the world. Phoenicia actually is a, it's actually where Jezebel was born and raised before she married King Ahab and caused all of Israel to go astray. This is a pagan, dark place. And in Mark chapter 7, this, it says this woman has a daughter that is demon-possessed. And her demon-possessed daughter says that she's from Tyre and Sidon. And she's a Syro-Phoenician woman. Tyre and Sidon represents mixture. Say it with me, mixture. It's the idea that the pagan world and the kingdom of God come together. And I believe the day that we live in a day and age that is so mixed of going, well, how much is too far and what's compromised? Where can I say no? Where can I say yes? How much can I get away with until God is upset? And I believe the reason why many believers going to heaven are full of the darkness that belongs to hell is because we're letting anything and everything inside. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Can you I always tell young people this? Because you know what? It's true in the church. That the number one Achilles heel of the Western church, if you were to say, what's the greatest enemy of Christianity today in the Western world, I would tell you the response, it's called compromise. Compromise. You know, because we say things like this, how much is too much? How far is too far? And we say it in the church in every generation. The singles go like, how much can I get away with my boyfriend or my girlfriend until God gets mad? How much is like, do I have to tithe? Like, how, how much do you do or not have to like, how much do you, like, uh, how, do you have to serve? Like, do you have to be in a small group? Like, how much do I got to actually, do you have to read the, how much do you got to read? Like, can you imagine if you dated a girl or a guy and he's like, um, how much can I flirt with other girls until like you start getting upset about it? Ladies, come on, help me out. That guy be sleeping on the sidewalk. He'd be camping out, come on, outside every day of your life. Like, like you, don't, you don't fall in love with people that are looking for a way out. 
And I believe right now in America, and I know this is quiet, we don't, this is a heavy message, but this is Halloween week, and I want to give hell a bad day today. There is too many Christians that are full of darkness, and they're like, why am I depressed all the time? Why am I heavy all the time? Why is my brain so tied up and twisted in knots? Why do I feel good on Sundays and I'm morbidly depressed on Mondays and I'm confused on Tuesdays and I get back in the presence of God and I'm good again and I feel like I'm in this weird cyclical spiral of things not going straight. I believe there's three elements to freedom. You guys ready? Three elements to freedom. First element of freedom I believe that's so important, and just don't tune me out, stay with me, is the word discipleship. And most guys my age are scared to use this word because you're like, are you talking about works, preacher? Like being more motivated and being more disciplined? I'm saying that freedom exists. There is a spiritual element of freedom, but there is also a natural element of freedom. I have learned that you will never delight in anything that you don't discipline yourself in. You know there's three cycles of life, discovery, delight, di or discovery, discipline, delight. Say it with me. Discovery, discipline, delight. You know how you watch Michael Phelps win 100 gold medals? Because he discovered at a young age that he had feet bigger than most, come on, Bigfoots. He discovered, I can swim faster than dolphins. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to eat the calories that Mark Francie eats, come on, every day. But I'm going to burn them off. Come on, somebody, don't judge. And after I get in the pool for eight hours a day, I'm going to discipline my gift that I discovered. And if I discipline my gift, I'll actually be so delighted to use it that I'll be able to celebrate what I've done. And I promise you that you've never seen anyone do anything great for God that did not discover something they disciplined first. If you discipline the things that you discover, at some point you'll delight in them. You could discover the piano, but if you don't discipline the keys and you don't learn how to do whatever this is, just tickle those ivories, right? If you don't discipline, what happens? You never know the delight of being able to flow and worship God on the piano. All delight will lead you back into a new layer of discovery, a greater call to discipline, and a greater ability to delight. It's a good thought. What are you saying? I'm saying, and I started with this on purpose because I know this offends, this offends the, the overtly grace camp that goes, it's all God, there's nothing to do with me, I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm bought by the blood. I'm not arguing any of that stuff. I'm saying you can be bought, paid for, and redeemed by Jesus and still be a slave of bondage. Why? He says this, if you're my disciples, you know what he says? Disciples, here's what you got to do. Abide in my word. And if you abide as my disciples, disciples, in my word, you'll know the truth. And it's only after you abide my word and you know the truth that you will be free. Why are most Christians in America in bondage? Well, I think it's because of these, these three things I'm going to share with you today. The first reason is, is you've had a pastor pray for you and darkness has gone out, but you don't make it a priority to spend time with God. Write this down. It's hard to be like Jesus without spending time with Jesus. <laughs> what do I, I want to be like, Jesus, man, when, when have you hung out with him lately? Have you read what he said lately? Are you spending time in his word? What does he say? You'll know the what? Truth. You know what Jesus said in John 14? I am the way. I am the truth. You know he said in John 16? I'm going to send the spirit of truth who's going to guide you into all. You know what truth is? It's Jesus. You know what the problem with most of you is? You read the Bible like a history book, so you just get history. Some of you read it as a proverbial book of wisdom, and you get wisdom out of it. 
Some of you read it as a, as, a, as, a, as a commentary, and you get commentaries. Some of you read it as a novel, and you get novels out of it. But if you read it as God's Word, God's Word begins to speak to you, begins to convict you, challenge you, inspire you, direct you, correct you. Hebrews says that it's a, it's a sharper than any two-edged sword. As you read it, it cuts between joint and marrow and soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart and your mind. It is the only book that if you read it, it reads you. It is the only book that when you read it, it cuts between your old life and who you're called to be in the future. The Bible says in Ephesians that we're washed with the water of the word. Do you know that you can get prayer, get delivered, and still be in bondage if you don't spend time washing yourself with the words of God? Hear me clearly. I've read the Bible cover to cover. You never outgrow this. Well, I read it one time. Well, that's fine. you got to keep reading it. Why? Does it change? No, it doesn't. But your life does. And because your life changes, when you read God's word and spend time with him, the way it applies to your life changes. If you're in a good time right now, in a good season, when you read the Bible, you're going to see things in it that are about good times. But when you're in a storm and you start reading about storms, you get something completely different out of it. Do you know what the Bible does? It actually rewires, it rewires our brains to actually focus more on the promises of who God wants us to be than the reality of what we're struggling currently in. And some of you will never get free until you start letting God disciple. The word disciple comes from discipline. And it's funny, it's, it's like a, you either, the only people that talk about discipline today are like ultra-legalistic people usually that are like, it's all about works and, you know, memorizing and studying. I'm saying it's not only about that, but a part of the journey is a freedom, is spending time letting God wash you and discipline you and going, God, if I don't have time for you, I'm not going to become like you. So number one, I believe the first thing I want you to write down when it pertains to freedom, three elements of freedom is we have to disciple our flesh nature. So I call it what it is. Galatians 5 says that there's flesh and there's spirit, and we're supposed to be led by the spirit, but they're against each other. Here's what I want to say about the flesh. The flesh nature is the part of you that you don't have to train to be bad. Well, I'm a good person, and every once in a while I do something bad. No, you're a bad person, and you occasionally do some good stuff. How do you know? Because Adam, it says this, Adam sinned, and all of us were born into a fallen condition. I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't matter if you believe it. You don't have to train little kids how to be selfish. You notice this? Now, Johnny, stop being so generous. Johnny, stop being so kind to everybody. Johnny, you got to defend yourself more. you got to stop being so selfless and giving and loving and sacrificial. You don't have to tell your kids to stop being good. you got to tell your kids to stop being bad. Because you were born under an Adamic nature. Are you hearing me today? says that through one man's disobedience, all of us were born into a fallen nature. And while we're at it, let's get rid of this new age, worldly, paganistic worldview that goes, well, if it's in your head and it's in your heart, that's who you are. Problem with that thing is it's just not biblical. Well, I was born this way. Well, how about all of us were born screwed up? And the fact that I would give in to my carnal nature and appetite, there is nowhere in Scripture that says, hey, if it feels good, do it. Just keep doing it. There's nothing. The Bible says to crucify your flesh. With his passions and desires to deny yourself. Now you got to follow your heart. That is worldly. And we're letting the, the society make disciples of the church. And we're wondering, why is everybody in this, this church so in bondage? Because we're buying these bumper sticker Christianity sayings. Just follow your heart. 
No, it's just about your truth. That's what your truth is. It's just your truth. Problem is, if that was the case, like, if there's no right and wrong, and if two plus two doesn't equal four, like, I don't want to drive over an architect's bridge that thinks that math can be whatever you want it to be. Well, I think it just, you know, it's whatever. There's no wrong answers. Just all right. I'm not driving over your bridge. So we accept it in mathematics, but not in life. God's not real, Mark. Well, why do all of us then have an internal compass that says hurting kids is wrong? Murder is evil. If you were just some cosmic accident, you know why most kids kill themselves? Because they don't believe they were made with purpose. And if you don't have purpose, you have nothing to live for. Listen, you are not a cosmic accident. You have a creator that fashioned you, formed you, molded you, gave you life. You were made with a reason. You got a unique fingerprint because God wants you to make a mark on the world that no one else can leave. We are not some cosmic accident. God is the one that created and fashioned you. If you were just like the animals, why do you feel what the animals don't feel? Whales, dolphins don't go, hey, stop treating him like that. Stop your bullying. Why do you feel that way? Because you were made in the image of God. And he hardwired a conscience into your body. Problem is, is most of us, we don't realize that what's in your head and your heart doesn't have to stay there. You know what you do in your mind? You renew your mind. And what do you do with your heart? You delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your, you know what desires you want? The ones that you get by delighting in God. You know why it says chronologically in Psalms 37, verse 4 and 5, to delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Because if you don't delight yourself in the Lord, you won't have the right heart desires. There is something in going after God that qualifies you to have the desires of God. And it is the desires of God that he brings to pass in your heart and in your life. Sorry, I'm too fired up today. Settle down, Mark. Mark, I invited my mom here today for the baby dedication. Settle down. I apologize. I'm almost finished today. Three elements of freedom, I believe, is, is number one, spending time. I know it's simple, but I'm telling you, there's something about discipling your flesh nature. Listen, what the devil's good at? He's good at reminding you of who you were. You're a liar. You're, you're raised in an addicted. Your dad's an addict. Your mom's an addict. They got divorced. They're cheaters. They're stealers. They're, 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 they got nasty vocabularies, and they tell dirty jokes. And they have low, low standards and low convictions, and they're addicted to that, addicted to this. They're in darkness. That's who you are. And I want to remind you today that just because you were born and raised in an environment does not mean you have to die and stay in that environment. What does the Bible say? It says to be renewed. Let me just ask you a question. Why does it say in Romans 12 2, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Listen to me very clearly. If being transformed by the renewing of your mind just meant going to heaven but still living like you currently were living, why would it say don't be conformed to the world? There was something in the way you lived when you were in the world before Jesus that God wants to transform. So listen to me. If your sexuality doesn't change, when you come into the kingdom of God and he starts to transform you, and you were the way you were when you were in the world, are you transformed? If your vocabulary, the way you talked, your standards, your convictions were the same as you were before Jesus in the world, are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Part of transformation is going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And we can't tell the world that you can fly when you're still crawling like a caterpillar. 
And I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm so, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying our church is perfect. I'm saying we have a God that leads us into victory. So tired of pastors and preachers trying to justify this hospice message of going, hey, we just want to comfort you in your addictions and your darkness. Let's just give them a pillow. Let's give them a heat blanket. Let's just keep them warm until they go to heaven. I'm so tired. Let's have a conversation about mental health. and Let's just talk about depression and discouragement and why we're all getting our butts kicked by the devil. I am tired of weak gospel preaching. Where... I'm tired of dead preachers sharing dead messages to dead people. Where are the ones that say, God resurrects the dead areas of our life? I don't die the way I was born. Come on, if you're going to clap, give a good hand clap and a shout. We evict darkness. We don't name it. It's not a comfort therapy dog that you pet. It's my depression, it's my anxiety, it's my eating disorder, it's my cutting myself, it's my, it's my anger, it's my rage, it's my perversion, it's, it's my homo this and trans this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. I'm, listen, I'm not saying one thing is worse than the other. I'm saying, listen, we're naming things that God doesn't name. It's getting quiet up in here. I was born this way, I'm counting, I was born messed up too. I was born addicted, perverted, angry. But the good news is, when I, when I encountered my Heavenly Father, I started taking on His nature. You know why you act like your parents? Because you have your parents' blood in you. See where I'm going? You know why you start acting like God? Because of the precious blood that was spilt on the cross. It is the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, that washes us. Three words God can offer you. You can change. Well, this is the way I am. Don't you ever settle for an address that Jesus died to get you out of. We have way too many people. Listen to me. There's doors. You know what the elements of freedom are? It's number one, discipleship. There's an element of reading your word that helps you live free. But number two, there is an element of freedom that's connected to being delivered. Delivered. Say with me, delivered. Really, Mark? Here's the problem in the church today. You have hyper superstitious people that think it's all about deliverance and it has nothing to do with your daily decisions. You just need to be delivered. It's like the headache's delivered and just the chair being yellow, it needs to be delivered and the grass being green needs to be delivered and the tents and it's all demons. Everything needs to be delivered. You have superstitious people that see demons everywhere. Listen to me. When I say I'm teaching on freedom and you're like, it's about dang time. This is the real message. This is the me. Come back to the middle. And I say, I mentioned there's demons, we're gonna get free today. And you're like, demons aren't even real, dude. I want you to come back to the middle. The devil's favorite people are the ones that believe he doesn't exist, are the one that he believes that he's omnipotent. Right here, right here. He's real, but he's defeated. He's real, but he's defeated. Yeah, and can he be possessed? No, you can't be possessed. To be possessed, it doesn't mean to be owned, it means to be mastered. And some of you are demonized because the devil is actually mastering you right now. It's kind of like if you left your door open. If he came into your house, it lets, you left your door open, a thief came into your home. He could actually go into your house. He could steal from you. But the moment you come back, because he doesn't own it, he can't stay there. This is the idea of freedom. Some of you right now, you have this darkness, fear, lust, perversion, whatever it is. It's in, your, it's in you. That's a demon eye. That's a, that's a darkness in you. It's a, it's a demonic entity that's attacking you. 
But I got really good news for you today. It can't stay when you discover who owns your house. We are going to be a house that is free. We're screening who comes in and who goes out. What are you talking about deliverance, Mark? Because Jack Havert said it best. You can't disciple demons and you can't cast out the flesh. So what we're going to do is we're going to disciple our flesh nature and we're going to evict the demonic things that try to attack us. I don't believe in that. Well, then you're going to have to cut and paste about one-third of the ministry of Jesus out of the Bible. Well, why weren't demons being evicted in the Old Testament? Because no one in the Old Testament had the authority to get rid of them. Jesus came on the scene. Mark chapter 16. He said, you're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to get better. You're going you're to evict demonic entities out of people. That's not real, Mark. It is. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's gnarly. If I wasn't a Christian, I'd be spooked by it. But because I had a light in me, man, I just been, I love, I love giving hell a bad day now. I can tell you stories about being Australia. I've, I've seen, I've seen dark things on every continent. I've been in Africa, seen demon-possessed witch doctors. I've seen legit, like, demon-possessed people. I've, I've been in Australia. There was a woman in Australia that was from Africa, foaming, literally foaming, like white foam, like Alka-Seltzer in her mouth. It's real. That's why I'm not into it on Halloween that we dress like witches and warlocks and we dress our kids in this dark. Why would you glorify darkness? Look, you want to dress as a fireman, as you want to dress as Peter Pan, that's, up, you know, that's great. Costume party. But if we're glorifying warlocks and witches, listen, it's real. And that's why Halloween, that's a, there's an element of Halloween I just, I just don't like because we're hollowing the darkness. I'm not saying we can't have a party, celebration, costumes. I'm saying when we are celebrating the darkness for darkness sake. The Bible says we're not supposed to hollow any name other than God's. Are you hearing me today? Don't get quiet up in here. Don't mess with my holidays, Mark. You can do everyone. I'm just, I'm just telling you today that, that demons are real. We're not scared of them. And they have to leave when you are bought and you are owned by the precious blood of Jesus. Paul says you were bought at a price. You are no longer your own. Glorify your God, therefore, in your bodies. Here's what we know, is we evict darkness. I don't believe in demons, Mark. Well, one-third of the ministry of Jesus was about getting rid of them. Acts 10 says that Jesus went about doing good, and it says this. It says he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Acts 19.11 says that Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons actually healed those with diseases. And actually, it says this, evil spirits went out of the people when they were in, in contact with it. Jesus said in John 14.12, it says the same things I do, you will do. If Jesus took authority over darkness, guess what? We can too. Let, before you freak out, you're like, Mark, really? You, you believe this? Listen, it's not weird. It's not spooky. Oftentimes what I do is I just, when I pray for someone that's in bondage, I say, Lord, in Jesus' name, any spirit that's in them, that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to be weird like some of these superstitious people are like, tell me your name, devil. Is it legion? I'm not asking demons their names. I'm just simply going, if, there, if there's something in you that, that Jesus isn't honored by, get out. And I want to tell you that when you're in your house, you feel that darkness come into your room. You ever been in your house before and you're like, man, I can feel fear or anxiety or lust or something. You can feel it come in. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. I've learned that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Why does he use the word wrestle? If there was no spiritual warfare, why would Paul say we don't wrestle? Trent, you were a wrestler, right? Wrestling is not like, hey, we have all victories, so don't even show up to the match. Wrestling, his idea is we have authority, but we got to take it to the ground. 
No, 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 spirit of lust. You leave. Spirit of fear, you ain't welcome anymore. It says in Matthew that it, when, a, when an evil spirit leaves, when it comes back, it looks to see if there's still vacancy. Biggest reason why people get jacked up is because they evict darkness, but they don't fill it with God. If you kick darkness out, you got to put God in. If you don't put God in where the darkness was, darkness will return. I don't hear a lot of preachers talk about this anymore. I want to say this, that we evict darkness, devils, demons. We disciple our flesh in the third element of freedom. Are you guys still with me today? Why would you do this, Mark? It's controversial. Because I believe there's too many people that belong to Jesus that are in bondage. I know it's not trendy. It doesn't post well on social media. Probably, probably have some blogger in their mom's basement talking about that church believes that you can be oppressed by darkness. Well, yeah, that's what Jesus said in his ministry. That's why he said you're going to lay hands on them and they're going to they're gonna get healed, delivered. Why would you take the effort to talk about a subject that most people don't talk about? Because I believe if we'll teach what others won't teach, we'll get what they don't get. And I believe our church will be a church full of free men, free women that are close to God because we evict the darkness out of our lives. Last door, last element of freedom is I believe we disciple our flesh, we evict darkness, and number three, we go to war with compromise. I'm summonsing our church. I want you to go to war with compromise. I believe God will return for a church that has power, signs, wonders, and miracles that is full of His glory if we'll get rid of the compromise in our life. What do you mean compromise? I'm talking about justifying your low living. Everybody else does it. I don't care. What'd your mama say? If everybody else was jumping off a bridge. I'm tired of complaining about how God isn't changing the world, but we're refusing to be different. You know changes, you know who makes a difference? Different people. Catch this. Do you know who makes a difference at your work? People that are different. But here is the disease of our generation, is we want to make a difference, but we want to be the same. I want to be, di I want to show them Jesus, but I want to have the same vices, addictions, darkness, pets. I want to watch the same nasty shows, listen to the same nasty music, have the same nasty, filthy talk. I want to be a light, but I want to have the same darkness as them. Do you realize, listen to me, Achilles Seal, the church today, compromise. Let me be very honest. Can I, can I just tell the truth today? I get paid to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. Do you know why some of you feel close to God today, but this, this week you get confused mid, midway through the week? Because you start justifying the compromise. It's that big of a deal. Everybody does it. All guys are like this. All girls are like this. Everybody, everybody lies sometimes. Everybody, you know, everybody, you know, lets it fly. Every, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm so tired of that friend. I'm just a guy. You're a son of God, man. You're a daughter of God. Jesus bought you at a... You want to... So go to war with compromise. I'm tired. I'm, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be who I am right here every day of the week. If you find yourself changing depending on who you're hanging out with, but the ebbs and flows of your vocabulary, what you intake, outtake, depending on who you're with, well, they're really cool and popular, so i got to impress them. You know what's impressive? People that are different. I tell my daughter, I'm like, I would rather be influential than famous any day. 
You know what influence does? It changes people around them. You can be famous and be totally watered down. Good preaching. It was so good, my iPad got saved. Just, it went out, the battery died. Guess we're done. Stand your feet. Three elements of freedom is we got to be a church that goes, God, if there's my flesh nature that's bent towards darkness, would you disciple me? I'm going to deny it. When I feel like going clubbing, making bad decisions, Lord, I'm not giving in to that appetite. When I feel like putting my guard down and watching that garbage on TV, when I feel like being apathetic and lazy or stealing or lying or cheating or killing, whatever it is, when I feel this way, I'm not giving in to my feelings. The problem with our generation is, is we say, well, I, my feel is, I feel this way. I feel this way. Feelings, I always say this, feelings are great confirmations, but they are terrible bosses. It's good to have feelings that confirm the will of God, but we are never led by our feelings alone. Appreciate the golf clap. Praise God. Good putt. Let's do this. Close your eyes. Can I ask an honest question at Ocean's Church? I know we're going in today. I want to do this once a year. I feel like the month of October is dedicated to declaring freedom over God's church. I spent every week so far in this month talking about the freedom that Jesus says in Galatians, for it is by freedom that Christ came to set us free. God wants you and me to live free. So if you're here today, say, Mark, pray for me. I want to I wanna be more selective of what I let into my life and into my house. Would you pray that God would help me go to a new level of discipleship, that I would spend time becoming like Jesus in His Word and through worship? Would you pray that I go to a new level of discipleship and discipline? Come on, pop your hands up and down. You say, Mark, there's some darkness in me. It might be demonic. I don't have weaknesses. I have some bondages. Would you pray if it's evil in nature, if it's a spirit of infirmity, like this woman that kept this lady crooked for 18 years, would you pray that God would evict the spirit of infirmity. I want you to raise your hand up. Yes, we're honest here. Yes, and down. Some of you, as the evil leaves, your physical body's going to heal up too. Not all sickness is spiritual, but some of it is. You read the Bible. So many times when a demon left, the physical elements of sickness left too. Someone's going to get healed today. Last thing, you say, Mark, I'm done dabbling in darkness. I'm done with compromise. I am waging war on my old appetites. I'm waging war on who I was before the mercy, the kindness, and the power of Jesus pulled me up out of that miry clay. I'm, I'm tired of muddied wells. I'm tired of polluted springs. I want to be pure. I want to see God. I want to be pure in heart. I want to know God. Would you pray today that I would go to war with compromise in my life? If Jesus isn't ordering it, I'm done ordering it. I want what he has. Would you put your hands up? I'm going to war on compromise and down. Come on, get some honest people in this church. If you raised your hand in any of those three areas, I want you to lift your hands high. Lift your hands high. Lord, we honor you today with our hands. We stretch with our hands to you. We declare this prayer. Sometimes the only voice you believe is your own. So I want you today, come on, we're going to go to war right now. You guys ready? We're going to go to war right now. I want you to, I'm going to lead you into battle right now. We're going to see some victory right now in these tents. You're watching online or in the tents. I want you to go to war with me right now. Say this prayer. Say it with me all over the tents today. Say, in Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus Christ's name. I command anything that's not the Spirit of God to leave my mind, 
to leave my heart, to leave my soul, and to leave my body. I declare my house will be a house of God, a house that's free, a house that's clean, and a house that's full of God's light and God's spirit. We evict darkness, demons, and anything that's not the Holy Spirit. Fill me with you, Holy Spirit. Fill my kids, fill my grandkids with the Spirit of God, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Put your hand on your heart. Yeah, give me a hand clap if you believe he's freeing you up right now. I feel authority. Hell is having a nervous breakdown right now. Darkness leaving. I feel it. Sense it. Virtue coming in. Put your hand on your heart right now. Come on, it's an honest prayer today. Say, God, give me a new desire to spend time with you. Discipline my flesh. Disciple me. And evict darkness. Anytime it attacks, I go to war. I, I wage war, declare war with any spirit of compromise, small or big, in my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you. Make me holy. Fill me new desire, new appetite, and a new love for the things of God. Say this boldly, as for me, as for my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. As for me, as for my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Come on, oceans, as for me, as for my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. If you believe it, give him a 10 sec, Hank, I'm gonna shout. It was crazy this week. You know, it's wild. I, I grew up in a home. Uh, for a couple years, we lived with my, my uh, step-grandfather, Paps. He was a retired Marine. Uh, he drank like a fish, and he smoked more than a chimney. And uh, he was like a three-pack-a-day kind of guy. Lived in this house, a smoker's house. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You live in a smoker's house, and you get so desensitized to the smoke that you don't even realize it anymore. I lived in it for three years, and it's, you know, it's crazy. We finally moved out of that place. We got our first townhome in Lancaster, California. We moved out of his house. I remember the first day going into our new townhome and being in a smoke-free environment. I didn't realize that my clothes stink. I, I didn't realize that I carried a smell with me. I didn't realize that I was so numb and immune to the smell that I was so familiar with it. I didn't know that there was a cleanness that you could live in until I moved out of the smoke-filled house. Some of you today, I just want to prophesy this over you. You're going to go home today, and God is going to give you a new sensitivity to smell the smoke. And you're going to go, man, I recognize that smell, but I'm not going back to it. I'm going to live in a clean environment. I am done stinking with the aroma of my old hellish life. Yeah, come on, the wind of God just blowing that smoke out of your mind, out of your soul, out of your spirit. How many want the smoke of your old life to just blow out in Jesus' name? Yeah, I feel it today. I feel it today. 
I'm fired up and I'm passionate about this. I know what it is to be in bondage. I was in bondage for 18 years heavily. I got saved. There was another 10-year journey of just going out of bondage. Last 10 years of my life, it's been maintaining, almost like a yard that you pulled all the weeds out. How many of the weeds can still pop up sometimes? But if you've done the whole yard, it's way easier to pick one or two weeds than let everything keep growing at once. I believe today that God, through the power of the Spirit of God, pulled the weeds out of your soul, out of your spirit. Your job now is, come on, let the Lord discipline, disciple, and again, you have authority. If you feel that smoke come back into your house, you tell it to go in Jesus' name. Keep those weeds out of the garden of your heart, your soul. I want to do this last, last two things will be done. If you need physical healing today, some of you raised your hand. You could feel someone had like an issue in your lungs. And as you raised your hand to get free from darkness, you could feel your lungs opening up. Someone had a ringing in your ears and the ringing popped open right now because the darkness that was, it was a spirit of infirmity. Not all sickness is demonic, but some of it is. So I want to pray right now, if you need a physical mi miracle, broken heart, broken foot, strained back, Achilles issue, have an a, a, a issue in your nose, there's a sense of a nerve damage, I want you to lift your hand if you need healing today. Last two things we do and we're done, I promise. Last two things we do and we're done. Healing in my body. Would you pray that God would do a miracle? You're barren. You're believing God to get pregnant. You're believing this cancer will be defeated. I want you to lift your hands right now, small or big. Lift your hands. If someone's hands up next to you, I want you to put your hand on their shoulder right now. Hand on their shoulder right now. Come on, Ocean Church. We're a praying church. We're a believing church. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, in Jesus' name, we declare, you said, we lay hands on the sick, and they would recover. I pray for everyone today. Hands lifted to you. Top of their head. Soles of their feet. Holy Spirit. Would you heal them? In Jesus' name, would you heal them? The blood of Jesus, washing, renewing, and supernaturally healing. In Jesus' name. Let's pray right now. Yeah, right now. Come on, Maddie. Right now. I just pray healing. Healing. Yeah. Break, release, break the bondage. Spirit of infirmity right now. Break the spirit of infirmity right now. Jesus' name, all over this church, we, we take authority over the spirit of infirmity right now. Break its grip right now. In Jesus Christ's name, spirit of authority, you have to leave. We declare freedom in Ocean's Church. In Jesus' mighty name. Mighty name. Yeah, yeah, he's here. Some of you can free right now, can heal right now. Last thing today, you remark, I'm not living for God, with God. I apologize. This is a deep end message. I don't go this deep every week. I do it a couple times a year that I say, hey, we're going to go dive into the deep end real quick. But today, some of you, your first time to our church, maybe never been to church before, maybe you ran away from God when you were young, God is he's knocking at the door of your heart. Would you let him in today? If you've never known him, but you feel his power, his presence, his majesty, or you used to walk with God, but you're off track and out of alignment, and today you say, Mark, I want to make Jesus the Lord again of my life, or for the first time, I want to put my faith in God. I'm out of time. I won't embarrass you. This won't take long. I just want you to close your eyes. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. I want to get right with God today. I'm out of time. One, all over the room. Lord, I pray right now. Two, everyone that needs to respond will respond right now. No one's looking. Eyes closed. 
I want to get right with God for the first time or rededicate my life. Three, would you raise your hand real high? Thank you. Real high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands up real high. Keep it up. Just keep it up. Keep it up. I see three. Keep it up. I see four. Real high. Five. Real high. Real high. Real high. Real high. Real high. Six. Real high. Real high. Seven. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put your hand on your heart right now. I know we went a little long today. We don't usually go two hours, but uh, we dedicated a lot of babies today. Costi and Miriam, can I pray for you guys? Such an honor to have you guys here today. Would you grab hands? Lord, I pray today for this awesome, amazing couple. Thank you, Lord, for decades of faithfulness. Thank you for a man and a woman that have loved each other, that have loved their family, taken care of their children. Thank you, Lord, for the way that they've honored, God, the gift of life that you've given them here. I ask you today, Holy Spirit, that you would come inside in a new way. I pray in this season of their life, they would get closer to you, Jesus, than they've ever been in their entire life. I ask you today that you would do something new in their hearts. I pray that you would heal the pain of yesterday, any wounds from their life, and I ask you today that the love of Jesus that transcends all understanding would flood their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would bless them today, that you would cause your face to shine upon them today, and I pray for the next several weeks, months, that you would begin to speak to them, give them dreams, give them visions of what is and what's to come. Show them your mercy, show them your love, fill them today in Jesus' name. Oceans, I want you to pray with those seven or eight that raised their hands. Say with me, Jesus, say it like you mean it. Jesus, I invite you to be the Lord, the Savior of my life. I invite you in and I ask you to kick the darkness out. My life belongs to Jesus Christ. Lead me, guide me, forgive me, and heal me from this day forward. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Would you give me a hand clap today? Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.